The following is a hoop ball presentation. The Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host Brad Harden recording live here from Atlanta, Georgia. It is March 29th, the day after the Hawks got a huge home win over the Cleveland Cavaliers. And with just two, just under two weeks of the regular season left, the Hawks need to start building some continuity and kind of get in a rhythm. Not kind of, they need to get in a rhythm. As the play-in looms, which they are destined to be in. We've talked about that the last few episodes. And it is pivotal for the Hawks to get wins down the stretch. And build confidence in one another. And continue to get acclimated to Quinn Snyder's motion offense. And just what he likes and what he wants from his team. And... I've continued to say this. The Hawks are playing hard. They're playing hard, and that their effort is not in question. At times this year, under Naaman Millen, the effort was in question, and I'll be the first one to say that. But effort is not the issue right now. Um, the issue is just they're consistently inconsistent. When you talk to people around the league and – I've conversed with my sources, and that is a scouting report on the Hawks around the league is consistently inconsistent. I mean, they have players who are waning physically. They have players who are inconsistent in execution. There are players that they're unsure of, whether it's their role on the team, whether it's what player is going to show up that night. Uh whether this player or that player is going to give the extra oomph on one side of the court. Uh, it's inconsistent. It's a, you kind of just show up to the arena and you kind of have to see which Hawks team you have. And the worst thing about it is that when talking to a couple of league sources, there's not a lot of teams in the NBA this year that have a true identity. The Hawks, their identity is that they're consistently inconsistent. They got rid of Naaman Mellon. They have Quinn Snyder. The timing is still kind of wonky to me um, when they brought Quinn Snyder along and when they fired Naaman Mellon, but that's above my pay grade. But right now, if you're the Atlanta Hawks, we know – offensively and offensively offensively they are still one of the better teams in the NBA. Um, when you look at their offensive rating, they are seventh in the NBA in offensive rating. That's great. That is something that has steadily improved as the season has gone on. What has steadily declined as the season has gone on is defensive rating. They're 23rd in the NBA in defensive rating right now. And that stark contrast their ability to score points, but their inability to get stops is why they're a 500 team. It's why they're exactly 38 and 38. They are mid, like people say. 
I mean, it's win a game, lose a game. Win two games, lose two games. Win three, lose three. It's a seesaw of the Hawks just being balanced in mediocrity. And they have to break out of that spell if they hope to make some strides and maybe pull off, well, one, get out of the play-in, but two, how many games can you win in a, in round one? I mean, right now, as it stands, you're the eight seed, and the team that is currently the seven seed, which it's been changing. It has been changing recently. Um, when we last recorded, it was Brooklyn at that seven seed. Right now, it is Miami, and we're going to see Brooklyn next. Uh, and that's actually the next game we play on Friday night up in the Big Apple. But right now, a playing game scenario, 7-8, it'll be Hawks versus Heat. And if you have been living under a rock this year and you don't know how have the Hawks fared against the Miami Heat this year, they have lost the season series to the Miami Heat. They lost the season series 3-1. And... So that does not give me a ton of confidence that, okay, can they win a one-game playing scenario down in Miami? You're 0-2 down in Miami this year. Um, you played them in the playoffs last year. It was a gentleman's sweep, 4-1. So they're a team that you have not had a lot of success against this year. Now, it only takes one game. Uh, I'm not going to be negative. It only takes one game. And there's plenty of games left. Like I said, if you beat Brooklyn, you would tie the series, season series at 2-2. And so you knock them down. And honestly, if you're the Atlanta Hawks, you're probably rooting for the Heat to get it going. So you do take on a Brooklyn Nets team. Now, the Nets are not a pushover. A lot of people think... And me included. You trade Kyrie, you trade KD. You thought this team was just going to backslide into the play-in. And they have hung tough. And they're playing really good basketball as of late. So, like I said, this Brooklyn Nets team is not a pushover. I mean, they're 41-35 and 35 right now, sitting in a sixth seed. They are looking up. At the Knicks, and there are a few games behind the Knicks, so I don't think they'll catch them at five. But certainly, like I said, they've been playing very, very well as of late. Um, when, you, when you're looking at the schedule, they did have a little stretch where they were losing several games, but uh, one, two of three, even beat Miami by 29 in Miami on Saturday. So... Like I said, this is a team that can can beat you. So, Hawks fans are feeling great after the win last night. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about the game here in a bit against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, you get a win at home, a, a, a win against a team that is higher than you in the standings. They have secured their playoff spot and... Outside of, obviously, you know, the run that you gave up in the fourth quarter and you were actually outscored in the fourth quarter by eight. 
you held off the Cleveland Cavaliers to get a win. So now you feel good about yourself. You win that season series against Cleveland. And now you can't go up to Brooklyn thinking it's sweet. You can't go up there thinking, you know what? We just got it. We just got one against uh, a really good Cavaliers team. And you know what? You, you just can't get too high. You have to take it a game at a time at this point. There are five games left. Sorry, six games left. Um, five of the six games that you're playing are against teams who are currently battling for playoff position right now. The only team that you're going against that is not are the Washington Wizards who you take on at home. You should win that game. Should win that game. You take on the Brooklyn Nets on the road on Friday. Sunday, you come back and take on the Mavs. The Mavs have been struggling, but they're finally getting healthy. That's going to be a tough matchup there. You go on and take on the Bulls on the road next Tuesday, who've been playing some good basketball. They did lose tonight against the Lakers, but they've been playing some pretty good basketball as of late and have found themselves in a playing position. And they're a team that you could potentially, if you play whoever in the 7-8 game and you lose, you could be welcoming the Chicago Bulls or the Toronto Raptors into the State Farm Arena for winner-takes-all for the 8-seed game like the Hawks did last year. Uh, but and obviously they traveled up to Cleveland and got the win and got into the play-in uh, playoffs last year that way. But certainly, and, 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 and by the grace of God, you have the tiebreaker against the Toronto Raptors. You've won that season series. You put yourself in a good position there. You've won that season series. You have an opportunity to play against the Chicago Bulls soon. And, and how to have the Hawks fared against the Bulls this year when looking at their record, the Hawks are one and one and two against the Bulls. So you beat the Bulls, you have a chance to split that season series. So you can feel a little bit better about that. Like them, the Raptors, you've had some success against this year. The Nets, you've had some success against them this year. And you have an opportunity for more success against the Nets and the Bulls coming up. So that's good. That's positives. But how are they going to win out? Like I said, this schedule is easier said than done. As I was listening, you play Brooklyn this Friday at, on the road, home against Dallas, on the road against Chicago, home against Washington, home against Philadelphia, and you end the regular season on the road in Boston. And who knows if Boston will play their players, arrest them or not. All I know is that you can't care about that if you're the Atlanta Hawks. You have to just go out there and you try to ha you're going to have to try to get a win every game. As many wins as possible to secure at least the eight seed. Secure the eight seed and try to put yourself in a position for a one and done chance to get to that seven seed. Now, again, it'd be ironic you win the play in seven, eight game. You take on the Boston Celtics right now as a seven seed. That's a Tough series. Um, the Hawks are not great <laughs> against the Celtics this year, if I have to say. And that's putting it kindly. Very, very kindly. They are, have not won a game this year against the Celtics. 
But that's why we play the game. You have an opportunity, and who knows what will happen in that regular season finale. Will, there, will the Stars play for the Celtics? It's a must-win for the Hawks. It's not necessarily a must-win for Boston. So we will see how things transpire as the regular season winds down. But as I was alluding to before, what is their path to developing some consistency is going to have to be on the defensive end. I've been talking about it all year. Offense is not the problem for the Hawks. They are fine scoring the ball, no matter who has been at the helm. And if you are locked in on glorifying everything that is Quinn Snyder, because he's the hot new shining object for the Atlanta Hawks, they are averaging just under 123 points per game since Quinn Snyder has been on board. But they are still giving up a lot of points. And you're still a 7-18 and 18 since the hire of Quinn Snyder. You're going to give them an out, new team, new system, haven't had a chance to, you know, acclimate. I get that. I do. I do. So, and like I said in the last episode, this is not as much on Quinn Snyder as it is on you as the players have to take it upon yourself and get some stops and defend. Like I said, I'm gl- I'm glad the offensive numbers are better. They're shooting just under 37% from three. That's good since Quinn Snyder's been on board. It is definitely an improvement. Um, they're shooting 49% from the floor. That is good right there. Um, you're rebounding the ball solidly. You're moving the ball a little bit better. 25 team assists. Still about the middle of the pack in the NBA, but that's not bad. Not bad at all. But you have to find a way to get stops. You have to find a way to get stops. And like I said, this is a short sample size. We are not going to find out everything about how Quinn Snyder is going to run this team this year. We're going to find out more about that this offseason and next year. But what should give you hope is an article that came out in The Athletic. Hold your tongue. Uh, It was by Kelsey Russo, who talked about Donovan Mitchell attributing a lot of his success to Quinn Snyder and the good things that he said about Quinn Snyder in retrospect to how he can truly impact this Atlanta Hawks team. And... Mitchell credited Quinn Snyder saying that Snyder taught him how to approach and think the game and be a professional. He is giving him that credit. And for Donovan Mitchell to see his former coach last night, half the performance that Donovan Mitchell had, I mean, bad ankle down the stretch, and he was still north of 40 points. He was phenomenal last night. But it said that he, it just brought back a lot of memories and just said that, and quote, I owe him to my Quinn Snyder a lot. I'm forever grateful of Quinn Snyder. He's a hell of a coach and he's going to have a lot of success in Atlanta. He said that he's, he's a guy that literally gave me the ball and trusted me in a 20 year old, 21 year old who didn't prove anything yet, just went out there and tried to continue to climb. And he said, and when you have someone like that who trusts you, I'm forever grateful. Talking about Donovan Mitchell. 
And he really helped me get me to be the player that I am today. And that level of trust that Mitchell has in Quinn Snyder and the credit that he attributes to Quinn Snyder should give Hawks fans hope if players buy in, especially your your two best players, Murray and Young. If they buy in and develop a relationship and develop a trust, we can see what could take shape, especially in the offensive side of things. Um, the offense is flowing better. They are getting a lot easier opportunities. Um, there's still things that need to be cleaned up execution-wise and you know, turnovers can get crazy here and there and still some bad shot selection, but shot selection and the offensive flow has gotten slightly better in the short time that um, Snyder has been at the helm here for Atlanta. So the future is bright for this team if everyone involved buys in. Uh, Trey Young and Donovan Mitchell had an embrace after last night's game, and they talked about Snyder again. And Mitchell, Mitchell told the athletic, he said, he just told Trey Young, he said, yeah, I love that dude. He said, it's only been a few weeks, and they're loving him here in Atlanta. The fans, organization, everyone treats him right and he because he deserves it, and he'll lead those guys far. That's what Donovan Mitchell said. And that's high praise from a guy who, I mean, attributed his success and where he is in the league to this man. And that takes developing relationship and trust, and that's going to take time. So like I said, only time will tell. But time is running out on figuring out how this thing is going to go with just six games left of the regular season and the play-in tournament looming for the Atlanta Hawks. So I'm going to briefly talk the last three games and a little bit about the Brooklyn matchup. Not a ton there. Uh, they beat the Houston Rockets tonight, which everyone can beat the Houston Rockets. So not going to, and I actually watched the Houston Rockets take on the Brooklyn Nets in person in Houston, just about a, not even a month ago. And Brooklyn took care of business. That's a bad team in Houston. But we're going to dive more into the last three games, what was good, what was not, and then look ahead to the closing of the regular season for the Atlanta Hawks. But quick, this quick plug. Okay, listeners, it's time to talk a little fantasy hoops. Now, I don't know about you. I'm in several fantasy leagues. In every fantasy league that you are in, you have a rival. Pokemon, Ash Ketchum had Gary. And I know you have your Gary out there. So it's time to beat Gary and get the insight that you need to take your stuff to the next level and win a fantasy basketball championship. Do you remember who led you to Tyrese Halliburton, DeJounte Murray, Terry Rozier, and Mikhail Bridges before any other rank list? I know which one. It's the Brewskies 150. And you probably turn those huge wins into some cash or a fantasy basketball championship. This year, the Brewski 150 is on sale for a limited time. And Ethos 
360 subscribers can get access in less than a week. Head to sportsethos.com and click on the premium tab to grab membership information or the draft guide today. And yes, to answer your most important question, the Brewski 150 is included in both options. Check back daily for more new features and go dominate your leagues, beat Gary with the help of Sports Ethos. All right, and we are back. As I said before, the Hawks won 121-18 last night, held off a Cleveland Cavaliers run in the fourth quarter, um, had a lead, and they were they blew it. They blew the lead, and in typical Atlanta sports fashion, um, a lot of people, you know, tight chest, difficult breathing, but they pulled out the win nonetheless. Um, like I said, a 44-point performance from Donovan Mitchell was not enough. 27 from Garland was not enough. Evan Mobley, 20 points, 15 rebounds, 6 assists, 4 blocks. Not enough. The Hawks held those three really good performances off. And in turn, it wasn't the best performance from Trey Young. Um, Trey Young has been playing great down the stretch, but... 16 points, 10 assists, 6 turnovers last night, 4 of 14, 4 of 15 from the field, uh, 2 or 3 from 3, that was good, but missed 3 free throws, didn't shoot well from the floor. Um, really last night it was someone who has been struggling recently offensively, it was DeJounte Murray who really put this team over the top. And I would be remiss if I did not mention Onyeka Okongwu, who's been playing great, basically the last 25, 30 games. Um, he has really found his footing. A lot of people calling him the best backup center in the NBA. He should start off a Capella, this and that. I continue to hold that off because I, even though physically, physically Capella's is, is getting towards the back half of his NBA career. The two-center system with Capella's presence and being productive when he plays, and then having the Kongu off the bench, is a beautiful dynamic for this Hawks team to have, and we should not take that for granted. Yes, a Kongu is playing great. He was 11 of 12 from the free throw line last night. Phenomenal. 21 points, 9 rebounds, 3 blocks. Great stat line. He had the second highest plus minus on the team. He just... Continues to just get better and better and better. Playing with more confidence. Playing great on the defensive end. Growing offensively as a player. And offensively, he can do more for you than Clint Capella. That, I'm not disputing that. But each person has a role and they play their role to a T. And it's needed for this team. It is absolutely needed for this team. Uh, but Okongu has been playing great basketball. And maybe it is just the fact that he's been healthy and he's been getting consistent minutes this year. He's consistently getting around 20 minutes or more now, uh, which is an increase from last year. Like I said, Okongu has been terrific. But... 
I don't want a Kongu's great play to have us devalue Clint Capella, especially not right now. We don't have anyone to replace Capella. I still think we need a bigger body at the five than a Kongu. So that's why I personally am hesitant on saying, oh, we need to start a Kongu at the five. I don't think we need to. I think he's more of a four. And if you want him starting, look no further than John Collins needing to be traded. And I think he will be traded at some point uh, this offseason. But like I said, have to give a Congo his flowers. A lot of people are. It's not that I've been remiss on this program. I just have not um, as much as. People would like for me to, so I'm going to give him his flowers now. Uh, I'll give Sadiq Bey his flowers. He's he's turned out to be a really solid player and a solid addition for the Hawks. Uh, he's kind of reined in that wildness. Um, he still can be a you know a defensive liability, but he makes up for from his perimeter shooting. He's been rebounding the ball fairly well. He had a double double last night off the bench: eleven points, ten rebounds for him. Um, and he has played within the system here in Atlanta, which is something that I did not see in Detroit. But Detroit is, you know, is disorganized. It's young. It's it's like Houston. It's like Houston, just bad basketball. So it's good to see him in a system where he's playing solid basketball and contributing. And it's outside shooting. It's rebounding. It's giving effort. On the defensive end, um, I, I I can admit when I've been wrong, and I was very critical of the trade for Sadiq Bay, but he has certainly made me eat my words, and I am glad that I'm eating my words right now. Um, we'll see how it plays out long term, and if it is long term, but I'm gonna give him his credit right now. Uh, Bogey's been solid off the. I mean, he had a solid performance off the bench yesterday. Three threes, fifty percent from the floor. Uh, like I said. DeJounte Murray really was the catalyst last night. 29 points, um, some crucial free throws down the stretch, um, especially the uh, three free throw attempts that he made after the foul on him that was reviewed by the Cavaliers, but they deemed that they made the right call on the court. I thought they did. I could have gone either way, but certainly DeJounte Murray made plays down the stretch. Um, so it, it was great to see him break out and perform like that last night. Uh, Capella, another double-double. Uh, that offensive night for uh, DeAndre Hunter, seven points, six rebounds. Uh, not as better, not one of his better nights, uh, one of his worst nights, uh, to be frank. Uh, John Collins got the three ball going last night, knocked down three threes, finished with 12 points, seven rebounds, two assists from him. And like I said, even despite... The run that the Cavs went on in the fourth quarter. They outscored the Hawks by eight in the fourth quarter. Even though they shot better from the floor than the Hawks. They dominated the paint compared to the Hawks. Had almost half the turnovers that the Hawks did. The Hawks still found a way to pull it out. Those are games you have to win. Like I said, that was a tough opponent. That's a team that has better than you. That's been better than you this year. To go 
and get that win in front of a sold-out crowd and a playoff-like atmosphere last night was huge for the Hawks' confidence, especially after dropping that contest uh, the game before against the Grizzlies, which we'll talk about here in a bit. And like I said, that wasn't necessarily pretty. The Hawks did shoot well from the three-point line, 44% last night. Um, they did out-rebound the Cavaliers. I mean, they moved the ball fairly well, 25 team assists. Um, and even though they had 15 turnovers and the Cavaliers scored 21 points off those turnovers, and you got to just expect that because the Cavaliers are a really good defensive team. For the Cavs to be a good defensive team, for you to score 120 points, you got to give the Hawks a lot of credit there. Um, that even though it wasn't the greatest performance, you found a way to win down the stretch. And it really was a tribute to um, getting some stops down the stretch. They were able to get some stops in key stretches when it mattered in the fourth quarter. Um, after holding off that little run in the fourth quarter, like I said, it was uh, uncomfortable. It was very, very uncomfortable. Uh, but like I said, those three... Three free throws made by Murray with about 2.14 to go in the fourth quarter. Certainly helped. I said Okongwu, you got to give credit to. And Snyder just said that everyone just played off each other. And there was connectivity. And that is important to this team. And I agree. Connectivity on both ends of the floor is what is important for this Hawks team. Especially if they're going to go down a stretch and string some games together and hold off the Toronto Raptors and Chicago Bulls and hold on to the eighth seed. And in some crazy scenarios, they could get to seven or six, but I am banking on them being eight. I am personally banking on them being eight. Um, but like I said, it was a really good win last night. And you... You needed that win. You needed that win after, you know, you went up against a hot Grizzlies team on Sunday. Uh, Six-game winning streak, and they continue to string games together. They're playing really good basketball. You know, John Morant back in the starting lineup, he dropped 27. On, well, not dropped. Scored 27 points. I hate people who say dropped, and it's not a huge uh, allotment of points. But 27 points from him, 25 from Desmond Bain, and... It really came down to, you know, Memphis got a good start. They had a solid third quarter, 35-point third quarter, even though they only scored outscored the Hawks by two. And then really they just held the Hawks off in the fourth quarter to pull out that win. And like I said, Memphis, they're the two-seed in the West, playing very well, playing very well. They're on a win, winning streak. Um they are really feeling good about themselves. Um, John Morant uh, is working back into shape as they gear up for the playoffs in Memphis. And um, they fought, and you got to give them credit. You have to give them credit. And like I said, the, the effort's been there for the Hawks. They they tried to win that game. Um but some big shots down the stretch. Uh, Desmond Bain, um, a free throw by Tyus Jones to extend the lead to four with about 11.6 left. Um, Trey Young did all he could. Like I said, even, even though he didn't have a great game against the Cavaliers, he certainly did all he could against the Grizzlies to try to help 
the Hawks to attempt to get a win. But um, when you're looking at the Hawks as a team, um, seven, several players in double digits, several players in double digits, um, six to be exact. But you only get nine from Collins, who was four of 11 from the floor, 10 rebounds for him, though. Um, you get you get a solid offensive performance from solid, I'll say, from DeAndre Hunter. He scored 17 points, 8 of 20 from the floor, but you won of 8 from 3. As I said, I don't like when DeAndre Hunter shoots more than four or five threes personally, but 1 of 8 from 3 is not going to cut it. I mean, Capella gives you 18 points, 16 rebounds, 4 blocks. That's a solid performance, but you can't. Luckily, Murray bounced back against the Cavaliers, but to go 3 of 11, 1 of 5 from 3, uh, score only 13 points, 9 assists against the Grizzlies, it's not going to cut it. It's not going to cut it. Uh, Kongu, another solid game, 13.7 rebounds, didn't miss didn't miss a field goal um, coming off the bench. Uh, Sadiq Bey, 9 points, not an efficient night, but 9 points helps. And then 10 points off the bench from Bogey. So when you're looking at that Grizzlies game, I mean, it really came down to the fact that the Hawks, in most games when the Hawks don't shoot well from three, they lose. Uh, 22% from three is not going to get it done. Uh, you allowed the Grizzlies to shoot just under 54% from the floor, 39% from three, when you only shot just around 46% from the floor. It's not, it's not going to get it done. It's not. It's not going to get it done. Um, and when you look at the tell of the tape, uh, you are rebounding the Grizzlies, Grizzlies, which is great. Um, turnovers was not a huge factor, um, but it really came down to just fast break points. Fast break points. Uh, the Grizzlies outscored you by twelve. I mean, if you could have shot a little bit better from three, cut down some of those fast break points. Who knows? I mean, because you shot well from the free throw line, you got to the free throw line more than. The Grizzlies, but it was a possession here, a shot there that made the difference. And that's what's going to make a difference in a playing game in the playoffs. And even though they played hard, that's a tough pill to swallow. Um, but certainly they were able to correct those things going against the Cavaliers last night. And then the game before that, they put up 143 against the Pacers. Uh, they gave up a 130. I don't like that they gave up 130 points, so still need to work on defense. But when you score 143 points, a lot of times you're going to win. <laughs> you're going to win. When you shoot 55% from the floor and 50% from three, you're going to win. And some people are fine with, hey, I mean, Hawks, you know, scoring. Um, who, who cares about defense? I mean, they're, they're scoring a lot of points. And in that game, it was great to see eight players in double digits. That is excellent. Everyone got to eat. John Collins had 21. Capella had 17 and 17. Uh, Trey Young only had 14, uh, five assists um, there. But, I mean, you'll take the 143 points. Nine points for Bogey, who got to start because DeAndre Hunter did not play that game. Uh, but you get 20 from DeJounte Murray, he had 12 assists, two steals, a block, and two rebounds. 12 off the bench from Okongwu. We're seeing a theme here uh, with Okongwu, and a lot of you have seen the theme as well with Okongwu, how well he's been playing off the bench. 12 points, six rebounds, three assists, three steals, and a block. 
11 for A.J. Griffin off the bench, 18 from Sadiq Bey. Uh, Garrison Matthews with 14 points. And like I said, the defense was not the greatest. Uh, like I said, you let you gave up 35 first quarter points against the Pacers. I don't like that, but you score 39, we'll take that. You allowed Indiana to score 39 points in the second quarter, and you only scored 33, not great. You come out of halftime, you start playing better defense, you only give up 24 points. That's good. Um, that's And then you have basically 33 points or more in each quarter to allow them to score 143 points, even though you had some pretty good performances on the other side. Uh, Jordan Ora had 33 off the bench for them. Um, and the Pacers themselves had eight players and, and double digits. But, again, a win is a win. You score 143 points, shoot astronomical from the floor. You're going to take that. Uh, offense is not the problem. It's going to have to be defense. We're going to have to play some defense. Brooklyn is a team that is has some defenders. They have some shooters, but they have some defenders. We have to be ready for that. We have to continue to be connected and play with continuity on the offensive end and then get stops. This is going to be a tough game on Friday on the road in Brooklyn. Like I said, this is a Brooklyn team that plays hard for their coach and Jock Vaughn. Uh, that heard everybody count them out after trading Kyrie and KD. And they're looking to say, hey, you know, we're still here. We're still a solid team. We got some good pieces. Uh, Cam Johnson had a good game tonight. Uh, we know Mikael Bridges has had some crazy offensive performances. Uh, you still have shooters and Seth, Seth Curry and Joe Harris. Uh, you still have Claxton at the center position. I mean, the Nets are not a slouch. They are not a slouch. Like I said, um, now, this record is, they were 0-2 against the Nets when they had KD and Kyrie. You, they are one to know against this new iteration of the Brooklyn Nets, but they have some people who, who, who can play. Uh, Royce O'Neal, I like his game. Cam Thomas has not been heard from as much, but we certainly know the damage that he can do offensively, so we are not discrediting that. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, I couldn't, I can't forget him. He had a really solid game against the Hawks when they played them here in Atlanta. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, who I'm a fan of his game as well. You still have Patty Mills. Uh, you added Nerlens Noel. That is TJ Warren. That's a solid team. That's a solid team. And they're a team that is middle of the pack offensively and defensively. But they're the sixth seed. They're playing well. Like I said, they've won two of three. It's not going to be a cakewalk. But if you can get this win before coming back to Atlanta and playing Dallas in another Sunday game, going to be a big crowd. The Trey Young, Luka Doncic uh, narrative. The Mavericks are struggling, uh, but they are getting healthy. Taking one game at a time. This is a very important game because you could see this team in the plan. So if you're the Hawks and Hawks fans, don't sleep on this matchup on Friday. I certainly am not. I'm certainly am not. Like I said, solid team, coached well, chip on the shoulder. 
Hawks need to develop that same chip on their shoulder. And if they play like they did, if they play as hard as they've been playing, they're going to give themselves a chance. If they can execute down the stretch in the fourth quarter like they did against Cleveland outside of the run that Cleveland made, they will win this game. Hell, if they're playing like they are offensively against the Pacers, they're certainly going to win this game. But what it's really going to come down to is getting stops. If you can defend and get stops, the offense is there. Can you get stops? You get stops, I'm confident in saying that they're going to pull out this win against the Brooklyn Nets on Friday. So I'm excited to see the game. I'm excited to be back in the booth and talk with you guys. And if you love what you heard from me today, give us five stars, give us a good review and share it. The best podcast covering the Atlanta Hawks out there here at Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks. Um, follow us on Twitter for more updates at Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks. That is actually at Ethos Hawks on Twitter. And then follow myself on Twitter at Brad Jarrett 67 That is Brad J-A-R-R-E-T-T-6-7. We'll catch you guys next time. Probably going to preview that Dallas game. That is my plan. I am gearing up for some things personally. Will be a very busy weekend, but try to sneak in a recording before this Dallas game on Sunday because that's certainly going to be a highly anticipated sellout crowd here in Atlanta. Narratives flying. Kyrie, Luka, your Hawks. Trey Young, Shante Murray, Okongu, who we gave flowers to. It's going to be a fun one here in Atlanta. So we'll catch you guys then. You guys have a great rest of your weekend. Let's go, Hawks. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.